Yeah, so I was um I was walking back from the convenience store just a couple hours ago. I'd just gotten up and I was like, I gotta get some caffeine, gotta get my fix. So you know, I grabbed a grabbed a can of monster, the sole remaining can of monster in this shitty little convenience store that you know where the guy knows me because I'm always buying monster there. And I assume, yeah, you're the reason that the monster has been right. They only stock up for me, those white cans of monster. I'm the only guy buying them. And he always calls me boss, which I always hate. You know, when people who I'm not the boss of call me boss, because I'm like, are you are you being like a piece of shit right now? I can't tell. That's not, not the point of the story. As I was walking back, there's a sign I always pass. And it's got this sticker on it that says diet vegan. And that's it. No other words. And I'm just like, who is that for? Like, is there going to be like someone who's on a strict carnivore diet who walks by that sign and they go, well, you know what? You're right. Like, who is that convinced? Is that like a preaching to the choir thing? Or is that like a, you know, some, some uh, sticker corporation is just taking advantage of, you know, a bunch of vegans? I assume, like, honestly, when you first said it, the first thing I thought about was that veganism mm-hmm. had a subculture now. And there was oh. diet vegans. And, and what that meant was, <laughs> oh, that like, you vegan ate light? twice. Yeah, you ate chicken twice, like a, like a week or something. You know what I mean? Like, right. But every other day, like nothing with animal products. Staunch, you only wear a, a leather belt on a Tuesday, and that's it. I think that, like, that's like a good trade-off. Like, imagine mm. if we can get everyone to give up meat for six days, but then on that seventh day, holy shit, you can have chicken. You go nuts. And burgers and Philly cheesesteaks and fucking steak, like T-bones. You're just surrounded by piles of meat. You just ribs. go to the butcher shop and you get one of everything, Paulie. And he goes, all right, you crazy son of a bitch. That'll be $900. Do you still think that the net gets cut out? Or do you think people purge so much more on that day that we have our same problems still? I don't know, man. I I think it would level out eventually because I think that the the novelty of having to abstain for the... Because I'm assuming this would be like a mandated thing, right? Like only on your designated day. Maybe it would be like on a rotating calendar. You get to, you know, pig out on meat. You know, um, I, I think people would eventually like get over the whole like, oh, I have to stop now. Oh, I'm going to go crazy. Like they would eventually just be like, yeah, it's Tuesday. I got work. You know, I got bills. Like I'm not going to go fucking crazy every Tuesday. It does. Fu- so this is one of those like Republican Democrat things in a weird way, because it's mm. talking about like, what should we do about global warming? Right. We should like have these incentives to maybe stop the cattle industry and stop the demand for cattle industry. But if we do yeah. something like what I'm proposing. You're putting yeah. out so many fucking restaurants out of business. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or is that the whole point? Like the idea is that if, uh, Andrew Smith or Adam Smith, whoever that cocksucker was, the Wealth of Nations dude, you know, Adam Schiff. Adam, Adam Schiff. Yeah, of course. Like beloved lawyer, Hamilton quoter, Adam Schiff. Um, yeah, I mean, fuck. I don't even know what I was saying anymore. Fuck. What was I saying? Um, well, something about how this is a Republican Democrat thing, and if if Adam Schiff was in there. Right well, now. I'm just saying that, like, proposing what we're doing, it's supposed to be the uh, the the invisible hand guides the market, right? If everyone mm. spontaneously decides to go vegan, then that's fine. So be it that the restaurants go out of business, that the steakhouses go under, right? Because the, the people have spoken, the markets have decided and dictated. Uh, and it's one of the few times where I'm like, I guess I understand it. <laughs> like, I understand when, like, stepping in to solve one problem can infringe on on another sector of that you know what i'm saying like and it's weird i don't like being in the middle of a contradicting thought 
Yeah, I mean, well, like anything that you do, you know, um, like uh, we're going to have AI driving trucks soon and that'll put the truckers out of business, but also all those diners along all their routes and a lot of those convenience stores are going to lose a lot of money too. Like everything is a consequence of, of progress, right? Like, like when we started making advances in agriculture, we needed less, you know, people working in the fields. Who yeah? Who were the That's, first people we put out of business? So I guess it was the peasants in the field. <laughs> like, yeah, probably. It's like some fucking sad eighty-year-old babushka who was, like, was born in a field, lived in a field, married, had kids, raised a family. She's like, and I'm not gonna die in this field. No, I don't know why not. she's an Italian. Look, you've been wonderful. We wanna we got you a giant vacation package. Go spend your golden. But years after that, two weeks, uh, you are unemployed. It's the least we can do. Oh, did, did you sign up for the benefits package? <laughs> no? Oh, yeah. Well, that was your mistake. You didn't want to take $20 out of your paycheck every week. I mean, I get it, but, you know, that's going to be your problem now. Did you do your Good luck finding yet? a home, you old <laughs> wonderful woman. I'm waiting for when the homeless problem also becomes the elderly problem, you know, because then what, maybe... when we got old elderlies. Uh, well, because then elderlies. it's going to be a real like impressive feat of of ignoring it <laughs> because now we're ignoring two separate problems and that's impressive and i way. mean just combine the problems just make all the old people homeless and you know then it's not too much of a cognitive leap no but that's what i'm saying like that's going to eventually overlap you know and when it does until it's us you know, I'm never because we, we don't like being around old people because we're like, that could be us for the same reason. We don't want to be around homeless people because we're like, that could be us. You know, I have homeless they say you're friends. three bad months away from being them. I resent I resent that. Uh, well, I don't resent the math uh, equation that you threw at me just now, but I have homeless friends here. man. I see the same guy at Griffith Park every day. I tip my mm-hmm. hat at him. I've named him Julio. Oh wow! Sound like the best of friends. You're giving him name. Yeah. <laughs> Tip in your hat. Yeah, we we see each other every day. We wave to each other, and he's uh, a yeah? jolly old guy. Yeah. You ever give him like you give him money and sandwiches and stuff? Whenever I have money, but I usually am hiking, so I don't carry any money on me. Why would I? I, I don't know. Maybe because you know Julio is going to be there. I don't know he's going to be there. I see him in various parts. You know. Like, oh. So he's a he's a traveling he's a traveling man. Traveling Julio. Well, dude, he's got no nothing tying him down, you know? Like he ain't got no. Oh, so he's gotta... you're saying he's free. Like he's, he's like free I could as be a in fucking this park. bird, Max. Like I could be in this park on a Thursday and then on Saturday, who knows what fucking park oh, I'm gonna be. We're all in. fucking stiffs, man. We're all living within the system, within the confines of a bullshit system. And at any right, moment, Julio's the that. one who's got it figured out. He's like, I don't need a shower. Or a constant source of food and internet and shelter. I thought he smelled lovely. I don't know why he immediately went to him being a smelly guy. but I mean, it's just a basic assumption that if you're homeless, you're probably not showering as much as normal people. It's crazy. That wow. You say, say that. No proof. Yeah, I'm a crazy guy. They have access to water. Bridges. Yeah, there's a good water. Yeah, they got access to soaps and shampoos. No, but like that garbage water that we have in Brooklyn, you know what I'm talking about? That shit that like hangs out on oh. the side. It's green and rainbow color. And Right. Yeah, that's good water to wash yourself with. They got access to that. It's... Man, so many puddles in Brooklyn. Did you, did you see that? They found like a giant, like abandoned building full of water in Flint. Like good water? Yeah, good water. <laughs> yeah, bad water. 
They bottled all the bad water. No, no, no. It was like just pallets and pallets and pallets of clean, like bottled water. Well, what what was it doing there? Uh, being fucked up. Flint, man. You know, somebody was like hoarding water in Flint. Is that what was going on? I mean, was it, like, I think some, it was just like, somehow like someone lost it. I don't, I don't know how you lose pallets and pallets and pallets of stuff. I guess when the crisis mm-hmm. was happening, they like made temporary. Almost uh, they What's that called when you like make up like a like a like a Ah, fuck! I forget what it's called. Like a, I'm sorry. There's a there's a word for it. It's like French almost. I think it's like in wartime they give you like a little little place R- to the side. rations. Not fucking uh, rations, Max. Is that I don't French know. You? <laughs> yes, that's a French word. Like triage, triage, something like that. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like, triage. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. That was fine. I gotta trust my instincts on words and language. Um, but, but yeah, man, it's like a triage situation. I can barely hear you, by the way. Why can't you hear me? I don't know. I've got my volume turned like all the way up and you're like so quiet. Okay. It's weird to me. You're usually the loudest man I've ever met. You know, I I say that about you. People are like, tell me about your friend Christian. And I go, loudest man I ever met. Do you really think that about me? I do. In a good way. You project. Mm. You know, you make your presence known. You walk into a room and you go, hey, everybody's like, oh, Christian's here. Uh, I don't think that's true. I think I'm quiet as a fucking church mouse, man. Oh, man. You know, sometimes lacking in self-awareness, you know, is your biggest downfall. Or my Because you fail to see, you know, the best parts of yourself, you know, that you're very loud. I don't think there's anything best about me. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa, buddy. Slow down. Are you fishing right now? Are you fishing no, for some No, I don't know how you to You want fish. some compliments or anything? I don't like worms. There's a real story. You want to hear a real story that Jeff likes to make fun of me? Of I don't like time? worms, like yeah. fishing worms. You put worms on the end of a fishing pole to fish. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but here's a story. That, <laughs> yeah, obviously. That, Let's move on. No, here's a story that Jeff like will love to tell, and this is why I'd never brought a girl home until I was like 17. Because my mm. family would just make me feel bad about having good fucking emotional responses. So, like, I'm a kid. I'm, like, maybe, like, six or something. And we're yeah. going fishing. And my dad gets a fish and mm. then proceeds to just let it hang there until I take it off the hook. But I'm six. And he's bleeding. And, 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 and he moves every time I try to touch him. And it's really scared me. And, and, and the hook was through his eye. And I was just like, can you, can you please just, like, take him off the hook? And Jeff's like, no. And I'm like crying because I'm like, this guy's fucking dying. <laughs> like, right. Got more compassion for this fish than I do for most things. Um, yeah. And then Jeff likes to tell that story all the time. And he thinks it's a bad story. And I think it makes me look fucking cute as hell, man. Uh, you yeah, know? it's adorable. But, you know, you had compassion for a little fish. You know, it was in front of my grandfather. And I think that was the, I think that's why it was a comeuppance because it was like, Jeff didn't have a set like pop pop. My grandfather, Jeff's dad is incredible to me as a grandparent and subsequently as a great grandparent to the other kids. Right. But I mean, Oh my God, parents and grandparents, totally different purview. Right. The jurisdictions are different. I have to imagine he was like a rough fucking dad growing up. And so I'm a little kid 
And I'm sure when, when, when Jeff was six years old and if he didn't want to take a fish off the hook, Pop-Pop just smacked him across the head. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, so I think it was him just going a little extra hard on me to show off in front of his dad. Because that's all it is, man. People showing off in front of their fucking dads. Yeah. You think that that motivates most things? Yeah, I think I think legacies. Every, I mean, like George W. Bush is an example. Like, <laughs> he he wanted to impress his dad so much, he stumbled upwards. He and started an entire and conflict war, in the yeah. Middle East that destabilized <laughs> politics there for the rest of human history. Right, presidency and war criminality. Like that is some right. bad shit. Throughout all of it, though, I mean, like, so our epics. Like, what are some of the earliest stories? Right, like, there's always a father son dynamic. I mean, like the Odyssey. You have Homer and Telemachus. Right, like mm. we are drawn narratively to stories about fathers and sons and how it drives the uh, the, the arcs and stories and pulses people forward and shit like that. So yeah, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility to think most people are fueled that way. I actually, um, I actually just watched a movie uh, called Honey Boy yesterday, and I'll talk about this maybe tomorrow. Um, but it was Shia really interesting. Movie. If you don't know what it is, um, podcast audience or you, I think you know. It's the Shia um, movie, right? It's a Shia, written by Shia LaBeouf, autobiographical about him growing up as a child actor, but also living out of a motel with his abusive um, former alcoholic father. Um, and what was like really fascinating about it is that it um it doesn't paint the dad in a completely bad light, even though he's shown like doing terrible saying terrible things to his son and hitting his son and just being kind of a terrible reactionary human being, but at the same time it still paints him as a human being. And it's like he's using this movie to sort of like wrestle with that and sort of deal with that on an emotional level, like see his father as a person. I thought it was interesting. Well, that's what I'm saying. Not trying to bring us down, but it was like, damn. No, no, not at all. I, I'm just saying that, like, that's a dude right there. He wrote a movie about the thing. Like, he's already an established movie star. He's already accomplished the thing. And yet, like, mm -hmm. he's fictionalizing his life because inherently that is one of the few stories that we're all like, ah, that pulls on some uh, switch that we have in most people. I think, I don't know. I mean, maybe most people are zombies and they don't give a shit. I'm just saying like, historically you look at stories and that's something. Um, and I, th I, I don't know, like I have to imagine the president we have now really wanted to impress his dad, you know, like, I, I don't know. Probably. I don't know. It's weird. Cause I don't like, I don't know my dad, like, and I like Jeff, but in no way is Jeff my, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, so I don't, I don't get, I don't get the motivation when people are like inspired by that. You know, I'm a spite guy. I think you know that about me. I thrive off of bad feelings. Right. So yeah. when I complimented you for being a loud guy, you immediately recoiled. You're like, no, don't compliment me. And I remember on our 50th, 50th episode, you were like giving me all this praise and I tried to give even a little bit back. And you're like, all right, guy, calm down. We're not gonna, yeah. we're not gonna go there. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't take compliments very well. I don't. Right, but you you dish them out, you know, like a fucking champ, man. I you know, but uh, I think that's the weird thing. I mean, do you want to diagnose this? Do you want to put on your therapist cap for a second? Uh, sure. Just, I, I well, because I, I'm trying to think about that. I think very similarly. It's like I I'm writing this thing now. I'm 31 pages into it. I really like it. It's rough. I got to rewrite some scenes, but it's taken better shape than anything has. Um, 
and not that I need people to help me write it, but a, a lot of the times conversationally, I'll ask people questions about something. Now, so like one of the characters is a female protagonist. So because of that, I've been like leaning on my female friends a lot. I just ask these generalized fucking questions and stuff like that. Um, and those people to me, right? Like Michalina and my friend Leanne, like they're so fucking talented that I have to let them know. I'm just like, uh, thank you for being like so much more intellectual and 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 cerebral than most people are when it comes to these discussions and how they inform story and blah 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 blah. And I'm always willing to give them compliments. And I think that's a, and same thing with you. It's because I think of you guys as like, like I, I honestly believe um, you can be the least talented dude if you surround yourself with really talented people. And like George so, W. Bush. Well, that's the worst example. <laughs> I mean, they were talented in the wrong directions, but they were very good at what they did. Yeah, I mean, I mean, my friend Ryan, the, the guy in Man Man says the same thing. He's like, I'm the worst musician in my band at all times. You know, it's like you surround yourself by, with people that you think are superior. Or like, yeah, like Wayne Coyne, you know? Well, yeah, that's a big one. I don't know what he does. I mean, he just. <laughs> and you say that as like a preeminent Wayne Coyne fan and I sometimes apologist. Yeah, I yeah. do. I, but I don't know what his contribution is. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what that guy does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, and I, I think that's a good thing. I think that allows me to like reach across like aisles and, and, and like identify people's like really special inherent talent. A uh, talent that, again, like we talked about in the episode that released today, as people know, we're like a couple weeks time delayed. But I do believe most people can be creative. And I think most people have inherent creativity, but that shit usually gets snuffed out, you know? So people don't yeah. get encouraged. I know, uh, you know, we were talking right before we pressed record. We got some good feedback from someone who's our elder uh, about our mm -hmm. Shallow Dives podcast, our Oscar thing. And that really yeah. meant something to me because I'm just like, oh, wow, because it, maybe I'm doing something that's on the level of the people that I respect. Like, they're so talented uh, that, you know, like, I want to try to live up to that minimum. Does that make right. sense? Well, yeah, you're you're hard on on our stuff sometimes, um, and it's mainly I think because you're associated with it, and you're like, "Nah, it can't be good." And, and <laughs> yeah. That's true. And I'm like, like "No, dude." It, sometimes it is. <laughs> I'm overwhelmingly positive about you. So, what's the problem there? It's like I guess it is me. It's not a three person show. Like I have no one else to put the microphones, man. Like. No, right, but I, like I, what you what you fail to realize is there's no blame that needs to be assigned. Like we're like equally like fucking pulling our weight and doing a good job, you know. But it's just it's hard for you to like to say that about yourself. I think. Uh, yeah, I mean it's like a Midwestern sensibility, but I'm not from the Midwest, you know. <laughs> like, uh, but again, it's like is it is it is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Is it me thinking like I am undeserving, I am be beneath people, or is it me just being like a generally like because I don't even know. Like, you think I would have a front row seat to knowing like do I feel inferior to these people or is it just that like we're, all, we're I'm trying to make something to live up to people. You know what I mean? Like, do I think, right. do I see myself as like at my best, I'm as good as these people or do I always feel inferior? You know what I'm saying? So like when people that I respect give me compliments, I immediately have to shut that shit down because it just makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I mean, like, I definitely feel uncomfortable when people give me compliments. I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. You know, it's like, it's like handing me a, like a pile of goo and I'm like, okay, thanks. Like, what do I do with this? Like, you want me to throw it back at you? You want me to like put it in my pocket? Like, what is this goo? What am I doing with this? It's like a pile of mud. You I know, feel like thanks. anytime my, my mom gets 
like nice i don't know it's weird i don't <laughs> like i know it sounds weird i just mean that like uh that was never a relationship i had beforehand so even though i guess we're like more copacetic than we ever have been it's just a weird thing to ever like have a straight emotional conversation about anything i'm like oh, i'm good i don't want to talk yeah. like you don't have to tell me i'm a good writer i don't want to hear it like it makes me feel weird um and I don't right. get it. But I, I mean, I, I think at a certain point, you just have to like get over that impulse too. Like that's something I'm working on. You know, you just got to try to like fucking, you know, not like love yourself or whatever, but you got to at least uh, take a step back and say, you know what? I did a good thing. And, you know, that's okay to, to say that out loud. I, I don't know. I think that, you know, you, you live in your head a lot of the time because you're, you're a smart guy and you, you see like every side of a thing and you're constantly picking things apart. So you pick yourself apart sometimes too. So when someone's like, hey, you did a good, you did a good thing, you're like, ah, but did I because of this, this, and this? Right. I mean, that's or you, maybe I feel you question time. if it's genuine or you, whatever. I don't know. I could be wrong. Right. And, but that's fucked up too, because like, if it wasn't gen- like, no one's going to go out of their way to be insincere, especially now. Like, cause you just post something online, dude. It's not even about like, oh, I got to look you in the eyes and I need you to, to tell me immediately how you felt about something. Right. So it's like, it's, mm-hmm. it, it is some shit I'd need to get over. Ultimately. I totally get it. I just, I guess what I've always said, and I think we've had this conversation before is like, how do I change my relationship with creativity? Because I have never had a happy experience with writing. Be perfectly clear. Mm-hmm. I've had amazing, like cathartic, like wonderful, best meth-like high feelings ever after I've written something. Okay, but it's never come from like I'm happy today. Let me sit down and write ten pages. <laughs> like it's always like I got to be upset about something, or I have to be like when I'm writing. Uh, and right. this is something that we haven't done because like when we wrote together as kids we were kids like we didn't have processes and shit and since we've worked together it's been purely on a structural thing and it's been your stories for the most part right so we haven't had to like get into the dirt roll up our sleeves and like write something together and it's a challenge i'm really excited to do just because Mm -hmm. like i don't know how to write with anybody because i've had to go to my weird place where i'm sort of pissed off all day uh, because I'm like, I'm a fucking hack, but oh shit, let me just write this down. And like slowly by doing it over and over again, I chip away at it. You know, like I, yeah. I've never had a time where I've sat down and said, I'm going to put in eight hours where I haven't got something fucking good out of it, but I've hated mm-hmm. seven of those eight hours, man. <laughs> like it's been the worst experience. So I don't know. I don't know. What I'm I mean, you, you do, you do have to be, uh, you know, self-critical too. Um, do you think that you'd be uh, react in the same way to positive, like, uh, you know, uh, criticism or whatever, like, po- you know, uh, compliments that you would to like negative criticism? Like someone's like, okay, what you wrote here was bad for this, this, and this reason. Like, would you be able to, to take that? I, I, okay. So I think my big issue with everything has a lot more to do with i i know myself and then like you said i'm the first one to see the cracks in the Mm -hmm. armor you know what i mean so like when people tell me hey i really liked your first issue and again like i know that that 
is not a perfectly written first issue, but it gets the job done. You know who the three leads are and you know the, their relationships and you know like how it goes forward, right? So when people mm-hmm. tell me that, like, oh, it's your first thing you've ever written? This is really good. I'm just like, you're fucking stupid. Like, I can't, like, it's, it's me attacking the intelligence of other people. Like, you respect them less for yeah, liking it? Yeah, because, like, how do you like, but then that goes back to me, like, how do you like something I made if I don't like the thing that I made? And it's bullshit because I do really like the thing I made. I learned right. how to make it. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and I'm so excited if fucking issue two ever comes out because I feel like a better writer subsequently issue three the thing I'm writing now like everything has been this like learning curve in order to be better and to be more disciplined you know what I'm saying so it's like uh, I think with negative criticism it it would come down to whether I totally agree with them or not you know what I mean like if I agree with them I'm like yeah you're probably right I didn't think it was wonderful either you know so Hmm. I don't know. I've never I've never put anything out in the public eye that I really loved and then it got shat on. You know what I mean? I've been very right. fortunate on that. And but, and I'm uh, not talking about like a YouTube comment section because you've dealt with that where people are like, oh, who is this hipster? Oh, yeah. Mm, well, he looks like a homeless hipster talking about Game of Thrones. You know, whatever. Whatever the fuck they said. You know, where's Corey? Um, <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, yeah, like uh, someone who's like, okay, like let's break this down why this doesn't work or something like that. Like, right. I don't know if I could take that. That would fucking suck. But maybe I could. But I, I feel like I would have already thought of those things and been like, yeah, 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 I get it. I know. Yeah, I mean, and that's the, I guess the larger point, though, is what you're saying is like, am I, how would I take it? How would I internalize it? And what would I do as a reaction to it? When people are kind to me, I feel like freaked out and I want to retreat. When people are shitty to me, generally speaking, historically, right? And you've been first party to this. I tend to want to work really hard to shut them the fuck up. Like it's right. my favorite feeling in the world is to like, you know, have people doubt me. And then I kind of. Right. You know. Yeah. No, I, I think that you're, uh, you're conditioned to um, always be ready to put up a fight. And when, and when you don't have to do that, you're like, I don't know what the fuck to do with this. And okay. But so we're getting somewhere. Thank you for being patient with me here too, because I know that this is like all over the place. Uh, but we're, but we're getting someplace because I think it is a confrontational thing. This is what I meant by my writing process, which is like, it is confrontational in nature. Uh, mm-hmm. I think confrontation is fueling everything. Like, yeah. uh, you're right. I am always ready to put up a fight. I'm immediately on the defensive, which is a very sad thing. And I, what I'm saying is I need to learn to recontextualize my relationship with creativity to positivity or just neutral ambivalence, uh, even like just something that isn't always rooted in this like hey, negative calm energy. Chris 2020, bro. I, when calm Chris is preve- like, dude, calm Chris is killing <laughs> it right now. Okay. Like it is like, that's the thing. Tell me. I, I'm in pursuit. I mean, I'm just in pursuit of perfecting all these different facets, man, right? Like, still did six miles today, motherfucker. I wrote, I wrote four pages. That's my least amount in a week. But still, I wrote but, four But in, in, term, in terms of confrontation, because you, like, it, for the basis of this podcast, like, uh, the majority of your stories, I would say, Do you think are we're centered around, <laughs> I got into a fight with somebody today, like a verbal altercation, either online or in person. And I'm like, how do you get into so many fights? In what way is Calm Chris killing it in that sense? Like, what, what, what situations have you de-escalated as Calm Chris in 2020? I mean, I talked to a crazy Republican, and I didn't 
I didn't yell at him. I didn't do anything. I mean, he he was being really shitty. He was talking about something and um classic Republicans. He he I mean, like the thing is he was a crazy guy. He was a crazy guy. He's one of these fucking people, much like there are on the left, by the way, who have um completely written off 50% of Americans. You know, like in his case, he was preferring Russian dictators to Americans and I'm like hey even though these people disagree with you like you have way more in common with them than you do Putin or any of these other fucking people like I think if we try to build bridges we try to see each other as as human beings who all want to be loved and all have families and, and attachments and, and have basic emotions right like we can build bridges it's not about name calling it's not about being in a defensive posturing it's about trying to be patient and then i said that line that i always say which is like because if i can't hear the sound of my opponent's voice how can i be sure that he can hear my voice and i really honestly fucking believe that shit and you it's always mad people talk same. well i mean he was just like whatever you're so righteous i'm like i'm not righteous just trying to treat you how i would like to be treated uh you know like i still like you more than putin uh like yeah. it's, that's a yeah, sensible like, I thing i don't do. like this yeah I mean, like, and it, and, it, and it doesn't go anywhere. So it's me trying to de-escalate, but it's also me not taking the bait as much. Um, mm. And you're right. Like, I, let me ask you, that, is the podcast suffering for it? Or, or, or are we in an interesting new curve these last, like, I think the California era has been interesting. We're only four episodes. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think the podcast is doing just fine. You know, like, like uh, we, we, it's not like the crux of every episode was hinging on like what crazy altercation did christian get into like it happened every now and then you'd just be okay. like yeah i was in philly and like i got into a weird car race with some guy and he said he was gonna shoot my car and it was like dude how does this happen to you always like this happens to you more than any other human person i've ever met in my life confrontational for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. but no I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're you know you're applying calm chris 2020 um in in healthy ways do you feel better like, or is it a struggle for you? Does that side of you want to come out? Or do you feel like, hey, like, you know, like, I, I actually feel a sense of calm. Like, is that calm resonating from within? Or is it just a fucking facade so far? Is it something you hope to speak to into existence? Yeah, I don't think it's like a fake it till you make it situation. I don't feel good all the time, but I do feel good. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's good. And I think that's half the battle. I think, um, I think, like I was saying, the net cost versus anything I would get out of it, like, was never going to be worth the engagement or the, like, straight-up anxiety, I feel. I don't think people get this. Like, when I get into these heated things on Facebook or in text message or whatever, it's like, my heart is fucking pounding because I'm usually emotionally invested with whoever I'm fighting with. You know what I'm saying? Like right. it's this realization that this person that I do have attachments for is a fuck boy, you know, like that's some <laughs> shit I have to deal with. And like, I don't know, like nothing was good about that. I just, I didn't like that. So I'm, I'm really happy that I've stayed away from that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. being just hippieing the fuck out, dude. And uh, I, what I really feel is I'm withdrawing from the world which is a Christian motif. You've known that at times I, I shrink and I go away. Uh, mm -hmm. But, for, but this time it's not in a bad way. It's not because I feel like I don't belong in the world. Uh, it's not that I feel overly depressed. It's just like, I, I think I like every day I'm fucking growing and I'm doing something like I feel really good. I mean, like what, what episode is this 64 or something like, yeah. right. so, I mean, maybe this is the episode where like, Oh wow. And on 64, he predicted what his entire future would be. No, but I feel like what I'm doing right now is the best thing that I've ever done. 
and you know me, like we've just talked, we spent 20 minutes talking about how fucking critical I am about everything that I do. And like, mm-hmm. I like the story I'm doing. I like the characters. I've never written comedy and it's a dramedy, but like, I've never had to like, there's gotta be a joke, one joke a minute, you know? And like, just doing right. that naturally and being like, I'm okay at this. You know what I'm saying? So it's mm-hmm. like, I feel like what I'm doing is I'm withdrawing and I'm, and I'm, I'm getting stronger and faster and I'm gonna come back and kill it. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> You're Rocky doing the training montage right now. Like this is the training montage portion of your life. My training montage is really boring because it's just me like at a keyboard, just like getting going fly for now. a walk at a brisk pace. <laughs> Gonna fly now. Yeah, and there's kids running in my yard. And I'm like, I'm not right. even running. Like the whole city of Los Angeles starts running behind you and they're all cheering for we you. Could, we could do a bit where it's like I'm in a coffee shop and then it's a shot and every everyone behind me is typing as furiously as I'm typing and then we still do you know when the the music of the synth kicks in it's like and he starts pulling away from all the fucking mm-hmm. kids because he's running somehow right. we'd force perspective that where like all the laptops are falling behind me and typing so fast I mean I'm do into one it. of those camera trick shots where it's like pulling in on you but pulling away from them at the same time yeah, dude that's yeah. how we do it <laughs> Yeah, that's by the way, Max. Literally, because this that, is the relationship in the thing I'm writing. Like, you're partially a character, and what? it's not Max. But there's a best I didn't friend. consent to this. There's a best. I'm calling dynamic. my lawyer. There's a best friend dynamic between a, a writer character and a director character, and uh, mm-hmm. I've always said that I anything that I've ever written would need to, at the very least, be co-directed by you, uh, because I don't trust anyone else to do it. So it would either be solely you or us doing it together. Uh, And so it's like, that's the same dynamic I'm working on. So it's like, literally at some point, like, uh, you know, uh, we're doing this, like you're going to shoot this. So like, you know, I just, I love you, man. I just wanted to tell you. Oh, I love you too, man. Thank you. uh, I'm glad to be a character in in somebody's, you know, piece of, I've never been a character in someone's piece of fiction. It's just a best friend dynamic. It's not, it's not really you necessarily. But a lot of the stories are, are like, I'm writing in the Sleepy Time T Simpsons story because it's my favorite. Oh, yeah. Because I like, I do it because I think that that's our origin story. We have two separate origin stories, which obviously Green Day, we've talked about it. But like Sleepy Time, that's when I knew you were fucking down. Sad thing is, I think that that's like separated by three years of friendship, by the way. Right. And it took you that long to be like, okay, this guy's my friend. This guy's my friend. Yeah, yeah. I'm very, very (laughs) cautious, Max. I don't know what you want from him. But yeah, you're so, like a deer in the woods, just creeping along, looking for hunters. You're like, I don't know if I trust these woods yet. <laughs> man, uh, yeah, man, I mean, deer, deer, deer might be the most anxious, you know, creatures out there. I or saw maybe not. They're actually pretty brazen. I saw a deer in the in Griffith Park, so they're there too. See, I've seen a bobcat, coyotes, deer, and coyotes and deer. That yeah, shit's deer, becoming deer a problem. Are everywhere, man. Well, but the coyotes are becoming a problem because like it's been like five days in a row like they're just finding me now and uh yeah they've got your scent are they the same coyotes you think uh yeah dude i think they are i think it's like like (laughs) this is a real Liam neeson gray situation but with coyotes (laughs) dude be called brown it's not as catchy i guess (laughs) you're gonna be like in your house you're gonna start getting like packages like vhs tapes and it'll be like a a video of you and dolores like sleeping in your bed and shit (laughs) 
see cut to like a little paw just sliding another vhs tape under your fucking door let's be perfectly clear the only thing scarier than david ledge directing lost highway in that scene is if those were coyotes if instead of it was robert blake it was just a bunch of coyotes yeah oh christ Christ. yeah (laughs) you go on a dark journey of the soul bookended by coyote appearances yeah i mean you know I would expect nothing less. I feel like where else is this going to go? You know, writer brain kicking in. Like, where is this going to escalate to? You introduce the coyote, act one, just a lone coyote, circles you. That's right. the little circle route. Now mm-hmm. groups of them, they're getting more bold. They've got your scent now. You're talking my language you, right what? now, Max. I really love this because you took it to a structure point. So now I'm in. Now I'm emotionally invested. <laughs> You're <laughs> right. Like, okay. Act one, I just moved to town. I see a lone mm-hmm. coyote. He sizes me up. Okay. Act right. two, I see you're the like, fuck- oh, and that's the end of this interaction. But now act two. Well, I think, and let's be clear, that was Penny was with me for that interaction. So right. act two, the coyotes have gotten bigger. Okay. There's more. They're bold. They're hunting in packs. They see me. They let me go, but that's only because they know where to find me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Act three, coyotes show up at my door. Who lets them in? Penny, because she t- turned on me from act one. <laughs> Penny, no. Coyotes are in my fucking house now. Okay. Like I'm I'm using evasive maneuvering, but I have no sharp objects. What do I do? I punch a mirror. Sure. It hurts my knuckles, but now I have mm-hmm. shards. Okay. Coyote paws are coming in under the little fucking bathroom door like they do in horror films and shit. And you're just trying to stab them like it's yeah. whack-a-mole. Yeah, I'm doing shard fucking glass. Like, the M. Night Shyamalan fucking sides. Like you hit a coyote how? Ah! And then all of a sudden there's no sound. And right. I'm like, wait. I open the door, just fucking, you know, coyote scratches everywhere and shit, but no coyotes, man. Right. The coyotes chewed its own leg off, the one that you pinned to the ground or whatever. Right. Yeah. He's like, fuck it. I'm fine. I'm a coyote. I'll live with three fucking paws. Who gives a shit? Trail of blood. He's fucking out of there. I follow the trail of blood. It goes out to the front door. I open the front door. Mm. Coyotes everywhere. They're in the fucking trees. Oh, so it's like the the birds, like Alfred Hitchcock's the birds. Well, I thought I mean, it was going to go in a John Wick direction where you have to like fight them all in your house or something. You, you know, didn't let you me finish. Like a nine mil. Yeah, you don't let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's like the birds and they're all just silently watching you. Well, yeah, they let me walk. Where is Penny in all this? Is she out there with them? Uh, she's she's at the they've made her the queen so she's like lifted on what is that what is that called she's a got habit? like a flower crown like in midsummer yeah but you know there's one of those things they the, the egyptians in like the little habits i think they're called like they mm-hmm. lifted her up and like she's on the back of eight coyotes underneath it and shit like that on a perfect they all start platform. howling and her tail's wagging or whatever right yeah. your other dog bebo shows up well, Bebo, Be- Bebo was forced underground. Be- Bebo was really like the, if this is the animal farm, he was really the, uh, the snowball of the story. Like very mm. early on, they knew Bebo was a threat. So he had to like dip out. He's hiding underground. He wants to help me, of course. Right. But how can he? Right. Too many coyotes. From afar, he can call the police, which he does. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Some, some coyote fever pitch clusterfuck B movie 70s grindhouse idea. Something like that. I mean, I'd watch it. Right. Call it Coyote Ugly 3. Because <laughs> you know what? Today, it's all about the IP. People need to know the brand. But it's a <laughs> shocking twist. <laughs> like, all right, because that's where this movie ends up, believe it or not. Uh, ends up At an actual bar. Coyote Ugly? Is that yeah. like where the real showdown is? Right. That's where That's like Christian's last stand? Is yeah, that and, a Coyote and, Ugly? And the girls just keep dancing on the bar, and you're like, no, 
You don't understand. There's a whole pack of coyotes that are after me and possibly you. I don't know if it's just about me or all of humanity. In mid-sense, gotta... though, coyotes spring into action, grab one of the blondes by the shoulder, bring her she down. Goes, ah! Other dancer, undeterred. Gets, she's like, I got Yeah, no, the, the dancer, she keeps going. She's like, woo, shots or something. I don't know. Well, I think it's just great. playing Leonard Skinner in a sweet home Alabama on a loop. I'm saving all these ladies. We're fighting. We're also appreciating Southern rock because sure it's racist, but it's right. But you're fighting uh, with your fists at this point. Like oh, yeah, you're, no, you're, no, you're, not, you're let off the leash, you know, Christian unleashed calm. Well, Chris 2020, no more. You're punching coyotes <laughs> in the, in the face. You're fucking gut punching them. You're kneeing them in the stomach. Well, I think that's my arc, isn't it? I start off as Christian calm, calm Chris, and then I have to go. And then, and then you end the, the series, you know, filled with anger, you know, or the film, you know, just filled with anger, just a broken shell of a man whose well, only impulse is revenge. So here's the thing. I've killed 80 coyotes. All the dancers are now dead or dying. I mean, yeah, like going through that, you know, it has to change you, Christian. Like if you kill 80 coyotes with your bare hands, you're going to well, definitely then be the, a different man than before. <laughs> well, then I think I've killed all the coyotes and then the saloon swings open one more time and hobbling on three paws is the fucking coyote from the beginning. Oh. You know what I mean? And he's got three paws. He's looking at me. And we we have a moment where me and the coyote, we he like looks at right. his limb and he looks at my blade. <laughs> which right. is just and a you're covered piece with coyote shards. blood. And he yeah, just gives man. you a little a little nod of respect. And then you shoot him in the head. <laughs> but then he stops the bullet with his mind. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> like he's a cosmic coyote, man. Who, oh my God. who then grows his arm back, okay? Like, because he could have done this at any time. He's like, listen, you passed the test. And I'm like, what the fuck? You can talk? You can regenerate? You can stop bullets? Like, what else do can I need not, to know? <laughs> can there not be, like, an, uh, an unrelated subplot where it is about the Coyote Ugly Bar and, like, they're about to lose their liquor license or something and John Goodman is the manager? You know? no, 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 of course. And that's like at the very end, the coyote also grants them a liquor license. He's like, the cosmic <laughs> coyote doesn't need permanent liquor license. And he just like John, John Goodman, he like lives on the second story. He lives in the apartment above the coyote ugly. He goes, what's all this commotion going on in my coyote ugly? Right. And, and his, we're about to lose our liquor license. And he hates coyotes. But at the end, he ends up loving the coyotes because the coyotes save the day. And then he makes that coyote a bartender. And the coyote, the last scene, six months later, you walk in, you, you go, yeah, I'll take a whiskey. Sweet Home Alabama starts playing. Coyote gets up on the bar. It's Tom dancing. Cruise, fucking cocktails. He's flipping. <laughs> yeah, Tom, young, young, de-aged, digitally Tom Cruise is doing cocktail shit. Out of nowhere, he's at no point in this movie until this last scene. Right. You find out it's a weird prequel slash sequel to cocktails, but... <laughs> <laughs> also some other movie that i lost track of it's remember. a lot of things at once you know much like parasite it doesn't have to be just one thing christian that's what makes yeah. it good i mean that cosmic coyote you know, then you got a coyote in lingerie just you know dancing to sweet home alabama you know and you just you you close on that and you, and you give a little salute with your drink knock it back and, and then like a ps like a white text come comes on and it's like right Coyotes and you get a killed. text from Penny. <laughs> wait, She's I get like, a text from Penny? Wait, yeah. wait, hold on. What's the text say? Does it matter I'm if she still... can text? <laughs> like, 
<laughs> it's just a selfie of her with a bunch of coyotes just running free, having a great time. Well, it's funny because I, I, can I, say, I miss like, you, Dad. I wonder whatever happened to Petty. And at that moment, it comes in. Like, we're still you on a family text. plan. Like, you know, at the <laughs> Miss you, Dad. Oh, you're like, man. oh, my God. How do both of my dogs know how to use a phone? Right. There's a whole sub world. Like, I mean, because they're part cosmic coyote, I think. I think right. You just that. wonder out loud, like, man, like, both dogs and coyotes have shown, like, feats of intelligence to rival a human being in just the last six months that I was unaware of, maybe I should tell somebody about this. Well, you just drink your drink. What's the sequel? Wait, 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 hold on. Let me ask you a question. Am I in this scenario? All right. Calm Chris, even though I've (laughs) gone through a whole journey and then I'm pissed off. And at what? Right. But then cosmic coyote like fixes everything, but I'm still a broken man now. So at the end is the sequel, like just me, protesting like getting litigious like you know like it's a, I, well it's it's like that uh that johnny depp movie where he turns into a, a po- possibly hostile ai you know it's or it's maybe it's like rise of the planet of the apes you know where you're, you're just trying to tell everybody you're like no you don't understand i'm james franco in this situation the apes I'm are gonna on, take over I'm still but it's coyotes team. and dogs yeah i mean that's the thing yeah i gotta be like going to the cdc i gotta be going to washington i'm like you fuckers don't understand yeah no it, yeah it becomes like a political thriller slash procedural in the vein of like adam driver's the report right you know dude. oh my where god where it's just you and a lot of administrative offices talking to senators like you need to bring this bill to the floor now we need to have a discussion about this you can't keep covering it up and then we, we find out that like one, the, the, the house majority whip has been a coyote this whole time. Like he has right. his little skin suit. We're like, fuck, they're in the fucking Congress. Creature, are they like a canine or what, what's going they're on canines. with coyotes? Have you never seen uh, well, You've seen one, right? Like, you know what I'm yeah. talking about? Okay. They look like uh, dogs, kind of. Yeah, they're canines, pretty hardcore, but, mm. you know, they're scared of us, supposedly. Mm. This is a, this is about when they stop being scared because what I'm saying is that all of them shared like you know genetic fucking kingdom phylus order whatever that shit is like somewhere right. down the line they're the same thing uh, so <laughs> so does the second one just end with like you know like a Planet of the Apes style like you know you go to the Statue of Liberty but it's just Penny's face yeah and 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 you know what this sets up this sets up a third film where i have to like it ends the only way it could end which is in battle against my beloved penny you know what i mean and uh i mean i'd kill myself i guess i mean i can't let her (laughs) i can't can't kill my dog anyone but you i'm not gonna fight you and you're crying it's like you know fucking (laughs) And she's like, <laughs> she's like, your compassion is your downfall. That she fucking swipes and gets my entire rib cage out in one thing. God. I witness her eat my heart as I fall into the fucking ocean. Right. Man. It's like, your last words, like a choked, I love you. <laughs> and then you just fall into the abyss and Penny just covered in blood, all wild eyed. Uh, Not the same Penny anymore. She's gone full coyote, is the point. Yeah. Can't snap out. She allows herself one moment of quiet reflection. Right. Is this what I wanted? And the answer is yes. And, yes, then, is. and, and then like a, a coyote consigliere comes and closes the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that coyote went places, bro. Like, and no one even calls her Penny. They call her a coyote now. Man. Like B- Bebo is like the K in this situation. 
dude <laughs> like i'm, be, I'm <laughs> ready just the, the door closes on penny getting crowned the new president of the united states <laughs> uh, she still maintains democracy despite overthrowing our democracy we're gonna do this. We're gonna do it right. You know, like I'm not yeah, gonna I mean, be strong. <laughs> like, right, boss, same as the old boss. Bullshit. I'm penny. Yeah, she's like, it's a good system. I'm the dog who went wild. I mean, think about that. Like, in the dog. Like, so when we reboot this later on, it's like 50, 60 years that like Penny's been in hiding, and then like she shows up in a village and like whispers, like, "Oh my god, do you know who that is?" It's like, "Who's that? That's the dog." It's Penny for Lopez. It's Penny from the block. She went wild, didn't she? <laughs> it's like this legend. There's cockney dogs everywhere. <laughs> I've had way too much fun with this premise. I got to tell you. <laughs> Boy, she <laughs> went native, bruv. She so, went full coyote. You never go full coyote. Well, that, that's the thing. So now in this new trilogy of films, right? We have mm. to make her. There's like much so like there's the a Anakin. second trilogy. Oh, God. Yeah. Now it's Penny. Now it's Penny's perspective <laughs> as a withered, beaten old like coyote who wants to go back. We showed you how a dog will become a coyote. And now, much like Frederick Douglass, we will show yeah. you how a coyote becomes a dog. Ooh. And and he's gonna have like a little coyote mentor who's showing all these like signs of being coyote Hitler, and he's like, "You can be better, right?" So now mm-hmm. Penny is like the Obi Wan of the situation. It's like we had a prequel series before the prequels. You know what I'm talking right. about? And now like uh, she sees like this could be Vader, could be the, the 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 best coyote ever, and she tries to lead that coyote and turn it into a dog. Man. Wow, so this is really like Godfather Part Three. You know, it's Michael become Corleone is, 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 yeah, is, is like reflecting on his life. And he's like, I'm going to make it legitimate, Kay. Like, Bebo is still there, you know. Right, well, yeah. <laughs> They're divorced be. now. <laughs> yeah. They still talk. You know, they have kids together. <laughs> you know, when, when, when you have a kid with someone, you're in that person's lives forever. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like, it's Bebo up. never learned to talk, by the way. Bebo is just a regular dog who is scared and confused most of the time. All the time, yeah. Like, all the time. <laughs> oh man um. i mean the fucking the godfather 3 though like you know what the problem with godfather 3 is the movie sucks the emotions are there like in on paper right you're like you have this young yeah club. it's like where, where are you gonna go like it's you know he's the aging don now he's the age of his father when his father died and he's looking back at his legacy and it's a legacy of pain and death and it's like there's a lot of uh stuff there that you could do with it it's just what coppola did with it it was like okay no Can he's making wine and like you know helping you know, his, his priorities were <laughs> elsewhere he was he was really you know ramping up to make jack with robin williams you know he was distracted i mean who wouldn't be i mean he's I assume... had a weird career <laughs> I assume working with Robin at a certain point in his career, like cocaine consumption was mandatory. You know, he's like, you got to prove that was cool. like a writer in his contract. <laughs> you must do blow out the cocaine with me, you know, like, but every yeah. director had to do blow with him. And uh, if he didn't, he passed on projects, man. So I, that's right. why Aladdin was lit, man. Just a bunch of cokeheads. Just everybody like, was coked out of Zemeckis, their minds while they were animating yeah, that movie. Zemeckis levels of fucking coke, uh, coke kingdom. Yeah, like nobody even stopped to question, like, why does this genie, you know, two thousand years before Jack Nicholson was even born, doing impressions of Jack Nicholson? Right. It's my favorite joke. But nobody, of the whole movie nobody too. stopped to question it. They yeah, were like the doing coke. Like, that's great. It's the best yeah. joke. Like, 
he's got this Aladdin script. It says by Terry Rocio and Ted Elliott. Mm-hmm. Like it's got the writers' names on it. Like I don't know. It's pretty genius, and it's the kind of inspiration, the kind of uh, amazing commentary that you get when you got just a, an unhealthy amount of cocaine coursing through your veins, man. I love how you're speaking about cocaine like there is a healthy amount of cocaine. Oh, God. Man, Freud was all about that shit. You know, yeah. Like, you did anything you had. Ha- handle your shit. I mean, that is your one of your favorite things about drugs is like, hey, handle your shit as long as you pay your bills. I don't care. Don't show up at my house at 3 a.m. Don't ask me for money. Don't show up late to work. Do all the drugs you want. I don't care. Like, that's everyone's deal, man. Why should I? Like, why? You know what I'm saying? Like, why is anything illegal? Let's just be real. Why is anything illegal? <laughs> Why it's murder illegal? Just don't bother me with it, and it's fine. Okay. All right. Sure. <laughs> all right. You got well, me. Well, you, 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 you went. You high roaded me like a fuckboy. But like, what I meant to say was, why is any like, why are any drugs? Why is any substance illegal? Get out of here, you libertarian scum. Is that libertarian? I'm sorry. It is though. It was really mean. Really They're always mean. like, "Oh, everything should be legal. You should be able to ride a motorcycle without a helmet." Hey man, you want to have a conversation about pedophiles? Like, but a legit, like a real conversation. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a bad conversation. You, it's, you, it's, what? <laughs> what conversation about pedophiles is a good conversation? One of compassion. One of oh, understanding. God. No, exactly. Right. That's the other like high wire act you have to walk here. What I was going to ask, all right, is just because I read a paper on someone who works exclusively like with pedophiles, like people who mm. are attracted to, because I think pedophilia is like, oh, the actionable thing. Uh, but it's like pedophilia is like people who are just attracted to young kids just because if you don't act on it, you're not like a terrible, terrible. It's like that whole scene in, you've, you've seen uh, Lars von Trier's Nymphomaniac, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's that whole scene where she makes an impassioned plea for, uh, you know, how hard a pedophile's life must be, where, you know, sexual desire is the, is the driving force for all humanity. And what if that sexual desire was pointed towards, you know, something as wrong as children? Right. You know, all right. So in a lot of ways, that's kind of what I'm going to ape here. And I forgot that that scene exists because it's a four hour movie and I cannot remember every detail of it. Uh, but it's no, a I fun think that's watch. A, it's, it's, it's a... Um, it's a fun watch jesus christ max uh but what i was gonna say is like i think that's a really interesting point now before anyone hears me i'm not saying like hey pedophilia is okay obviously like anytime any child that's discussed whatever um because i do think that like we live in a world where all crimes are subjective but like some of them are you know they stumbled into good just because like obviously kids shouldn't be getting fucked right that's horrific But at the same time, it's like, do we believe that people are born gay? Like, I think we do, right? Like, I know I do. I don't think people make choices. Uh, Do Mm -hmm. we believe that depression is a choice? Or do we think people have chemical imbalances in their brain? I'm going to tell you, I wish I didn't feel sad sometimes. So my point being that, like, it's totally possible that people are just born this way. Like, they're, they're wired in a way which societally looks really terrible because societally we've all decided, and rightfully so, that we shouldn't be fucking kids. We, like, children should be off limits, you know what I mean? Right. But it has to be this really fucked up thing. They're wired their way. Like, if there's a God, God made them that way. 
Uh, and, it, you know, like they don't act on it, then they're fine. The minute they act on it, like they're labeled for the rest of their lives and rightfully so. But at the same time, it's like that has got to be the most fucking horrific thing in the world. But I don't think the attitudes will ever change towards people like i don't think compassion for pedophiles is something coming up on the horizon anytime soon dude i really don't i like and and should it i guess like and that's what i'm saying like these are the weird ethical questions that we're getting into now i guess but at some point right. i mean well it, it comes down to like uh because you and i i understand what you were saying but like th- this is something that was damaging to the you know um lgbt rights for a long time as people sure. equated that with pedophilia if we allow that then what's next you know bestiality pedophilia um so you really do have to question is it is it something that's learned is it something that is a choice or is it something that is a, innate to a human being is it a combination of those things I, I want to be perfectly clear. I, I don't think I was making an, a, an equivalency. I think what I was trying no, to No, I, I know you, yeah, and I know okay. you weren't. I, I'm aware of that. But, but in the same token, like, you could make that logical leap if you want to, like, lump anything together, right? Um, and I'm not saying that you were. But it, it, what I'm saying is that, like, the argument for homosexuality, at least for having it be accepted into the mainstream, aside from the fact that it's consenting adults, and it shouldn't be a problem is that, you know, people were born that way. That's not a choice that they're making, you know, that comes down to like that question of when did people choose to be straight if they're straight, you know, it's just something that we are what we are. Right. So with pedophilia, I guess the question is, um, are they born that way? Is it something that is learned? Is it a product of abuse? Should we treat it as a mental health issue? Um, and what, what kind of research have we done? And what I'm saying is I'm not even sure we've done good research on it because the- It's so stigmatized because exactly. he wants to fund a research into what makes a pedophile a pedophile. That's literally what I'm saying. You know, we, like, we just want to be like, lock them all up. Exactly, dude. And, and like, again, yes, it's abhorrent. I'm not in any way advertising that. But what I'm saying is like, we, we, we don't put in the research because we immediately think of them as less than. So we're right. not- being compassionate we're not doing research we're not finding out i have to think it's not like a a learned thing i mean certainly there are predators don't get me wrong you know what i mean who like see an easy prey but i i don't know man like i i just i also think genetically right like a lot of these people get found out and then they get put in jail and like throughout Mm -hmm. the long scope of human history right although but that's something we don't want to talk about people were fucking kids like like a hundred years ago out in the open like Charlie Chaplin loved fucking teenagers, man. And we all love him. He had a mustache and he had a little hat. Wait, did he? And it's kind of a known fact about him. And that's my point. Man. Like, so what I'm saying. That's why like, we need to just support Buster Keaton, you know? It was underrated. He was the and better real in MVP. Every fucking way. Thank you, Max. I love you. Um, no, but that's what I'm saying where it's just like, okay, I, I was going to say, well, well, we'll weed them out if it really is this genetic thing. Are people born this way? And you think right. terrible. Once like we nail down what the genetics are, we can put them on their own private pedophile island, you know? That's what and we And they need. can all just... <laughs> pedophile island? I don't even fucking know. I think that, Did you that's watch the like last a... season of Arrested Development? Because there is one truly inspired joke where Lucille Blue thinks that the way to solve the rapist and murder problem is to put all the rapists and murderers on the same island. So all the rapists... Well, wait, doesn't that happen with their with their neighborhood? Like they end up selling to all sex offenders so that all yeah, the sex so, yeah. offenders are living <laughs> next to each other? Yeah. 
That last season's underrated. That's all I'm saying. It's fucking fire. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm fascinated by it because it's a moral quandary because we've all grown up and we already know what the, what these lines of the sands are, right? Now, back in the day, mm. it was just like misinformation. You're right. Like, the difference is two consenting adults, they are they're attracted to the same sex what the fuck does it matter right there's individual liberty that doesn't happen when there's a child involved and so that's where the line is we understand that but still the impulse itself i think has to be rooted in something that is beyond them i think like they literally are attracted to kids uh and i think that that's like this really horrific sad thing that every single day and they have to know they know morally society tells them like Think of for every like sex uh, pred- uh, pedophile and sexual offender you can find on a website. Like there are plenty of people who are going through that and have not acted on it. And you know what I'm saying? Like you're living in a society where you know what you are is a monster because that's what they call you repeatedly. And I just right. I don't know. I just wonder if in 50 years we'll we'll look at it differently. I, I you know like I don't want to say someone's mentally ill. I mean, right? if we're all still here in 50 years, man. Well, yeah, I think if we make it through 50, we're fine. I, that's what all the scientists keep saying. It's like, look, the next 50 gonna be hard, but if we make it, we'll be just fine. And that's what I'm. Or if we identify that genetically, like, what if we start living in a Gattaca-style universe where they just like take that part out of the genetic code, you know, so that no more pedophilia even exists. That might be on the horizon, man, if it is a genetic thing. Uh, will we ever know, Max, is my point. And, and, that, and that brings in some weird shit. Is like if homosexuality is genetic, would, would that then bring in the possibility of like weird eugenics where we remove homosexuality from the population? No. Or, do parent, or do parents choose like, yeah, my kid's going to be a lesbian? Okay, but hold on. But see, this is the weird thing. So now we're, I feel like we're even slipping into like some fucking Desmond Hume, like philosophy, like free will versus predeterminism sort of shit. But it's just Mm -hmm. like, um, if we're saying people are born that way, we're not saying that there's a identifiable gene that you can like scan them. There's the gay gene, right? Like in the same way that like fucking idiot racists use phrenology to try to say like, Oh, look, that's the differences. Some differences between a fucking regular or like, like a, like a straight dude. I'm saying in a hypothetical universe, if we were to identify like certain physical attributes or brain chemistry or whatever that lends itself to one or the other, and then we could choose whether our kid is going to have, you know, eh, well, we don't want them to have heart defects and it's like sexual orientation. Oh, well, like if that's something that you could actually like no, uh, but fix th- in a lab. That's what I'm freaking know? out about because how would you be able to do that, right? You're just saying in the future someday if we figure out what the XY chromosome is of sexuality. <laughs> yeah. You're saying, okay, all right, cool. <laughs> like purely RoboCop 2. This is purely hypothetical Gattaca shit, I was shit, getting man. scared. I was like, this is how Blade Runner starts, man. And, like, and I'm just wondering like how do, how do we as a society deal with that? Because like we're in a stage of excitement acceptance because and the and the log line here is that it's not something that people can help or choose you know but they're consenting adults but if we eliminate that issue do we as a society continue to choose it if it becomes a choice do we choose that for our children i don't know i wonder i wonder what would happen uh, I think that that's the creepiest thing in the world because, you know, like, it's not a choice. You're born that way. Yeah, and somehow yeah, we mean, rendered it into a choice and it's like, Jesus right. Christ, like, this is a nightmare mm-hmm. scenario and Bradbury would probably love living right now. You know what I'm saying? You ever think about that? Like, the, the writers of the day who speculated shit, if they could see what's going on now. If- I mean, I feel like they'd be horrified, honestly. 
Well, because we took it. You think they'd be like, ooh, more meat for my stories. (laughs) I I wonder where they would even take it. That's what's interesting because they predicted everything about. Yeah, they'd be like, well, all this future shit is true, but it's got way more advertisements than I expected. And it's also not being used for the way we have. Hey, you have a computer in your pocket. You want to learn a language, you can learn any language. But no, let's look at cat videos. And it's like, I, I have to imagine that's also rough gotta be hard on yeah. i mean some of those sci-fi writers knew it like uh, indictment on humanity that verdict was rendered a long time ago you know, aldous huxley knew well huxley's i was thank you for saying it. i was gonna say because huxley really is the 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 pessimist like everyone else seemed yeah. to be like hey but there's and, hope and he was the guy that was tripping balls the most and he was like we're all fucked <laughs> right well he saw it man i like yeah. it for every beautiful story you hear about someone doing like mushrooms or acid and, and seeing yeah something and unifying about the world i like the fuckers who did it and it was like darkness emptiness blackness like <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> there is no pattern it's well, all every empty, time, like, meaningless listen, i think i've told you when we did acid that one time when we listened to radiohead there's two radiohead experiences it was like one was in your dad's office or whatever your office and uh I was, it, it was like 15 step or something but it was like i saw like a stack of paper and I saw how the paper, like everything that made a, but then I was looking at the cabinet that the paper was on. And suddenly mm-hmm. I was seeing in my mind the disassembled version of all those parts, but how they came together at the same time. And then like later on, we're going to Tampa and the sun's going down and uh, two plus two equals five and the because and the fucking hard part comes down and the sun's setting. And I'm just like, oh my God, we're all going to die one day. But I also heard how everything was connected and how everything was separate at the same time. And that was this beautiful, profound fucking moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's I like, mean, that's we, how we I... like to, we like to find patterns, man. Well, and that's the really pretty thing about it. And I can just imagine feeling like that. Like imagine the feeling of being on mushrooms, but like being like, there's nothing, <laughs> just 12 hours of like. It's like, crazy. wow, wow. We really suck as a species, huh? <laughs> just like in a sober way, just. Wow, yeah, humanity's not not all that great when you really think about it, huh? I mean, our biggest accomplishment is how we can kill people. Uh, the only thing we've ever created yeah. is a virus, computer virus. And, uh, but I mean, like Kurt, Kurt Vonnegut, for example, um, speaking of like sci-fi writers, and I know he was more of a satirical bent, but the dude did sci-fi, as we all know. Um, like when he was on his way out, he, he literally said, I'm happy to be dying because I don't want to see what's going to come become of the world like he saw the trend and where it was going during the bush presidency it was like 2003 or whatever when he died yeah, he was getting um, sassy in the end and, though yeah and even then he was like we're fucked straight up i don't want to see where this goes yeah he, he lucked out man i mean do you ever think that like i mean it's a weird thing <laughs> no, no. i'm just saying like do you ever think calm that- chris 2020 he lucked out he's dead <laughs> he lucked out that's how calm he is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, death is the calmest state of being, man. Let's hope so. Let, let's really hope that <laughs> let's when you hope die. So. Yeah, because let's really fucking hope that when you die. Like, after you die, you're just stressed all the time now. You're well, just I a just, stressed out ghost. Probably. You, you're always late for an appointment. Like, your car won't right. start. You, you got go into the ghost DMV. <laughs> The world just con- you just continue living in the world, but as a ghost in whatever clothes you died in. It's like I mean, Beetlejuice. It's either that, or do you just imagine a death where you're literally dead in your body and you're still conscious and you can't move and you're just sitting there forever, 
hear drunk teenagers partying above your grave, drinking, That's smoking terrible. marijuana. There's a Stephen cigarettes. King story like that where it's like somebody who's um well yeah. similar to that where it's, it's like some guy shift, who's like bro. an a. Yeah. He was, a, like he was playing bag, golf right? and he like he collapses and then they think that he's dead, right? Like and they yeah, right. the whole thing is he's totally alive, being like, What the fuck? Well, that was the um, thing with dead ringers. There was some weird disease going around in the old west or some shit, and uh, you know, it's made it seem like people were dead, but they actually weren't because they would, you know, dig people up for whatever reason and find find scratch marks on the lids of the coffins. Yeah, yeah. So they would we put them up for whatever reason. These grave digging pieces of shit of the old west, by the way. Right. Like, I wonder how that got reported. Like, some grave digger was like. All right, look, Sheriff, I, I'm just going to admit it. I was robbing graves. You know, that's what I do. I'm Jimmy Grave Robber. I'm putting it on Front Street. But look, listen to this, though. Okay, ignore that part. Uh, look at this coffin lid, man. We're like burying alive people right now. All right. So I'm really hoping you ignore the listen, first part of the thing I said yeah. and mainly focus on this second part. You can be mad at the crown or you could be uh, rewarding of a, the saving of a life. Okay, Sheriff? Like, I'm not telling right. you how to do your and job. The I'm just sheriff, saying. Sheriff like, rushes out to the graveyard and the guy's like, yeah, so we're good on that other thing, right? Can I go now? It's like he's like following him. <laughs> I'm just going to see my way out, sir. I'll uh, have a good day. I like Jimmy Grave Robber. I got to tell you <laughs> because he, he put it on Front Street. Hey, I mean, it's his last name. Like, what else is he going to do? <laughs> the olden days. If you were a smith, presumably you were a blacksmith. You were a fucking, Right. A he came from a long line of grave robbers, you know, like my grandfather was a grave robber my, my pappy was a grave robber like what am i gonna do not rob graves be an accountant be a tax man work for the government no hell no my family disowned me and family is everything i always say blood in blood out i don't know what it means but i say it but robbie your family disowned you you can break the cycle you can be bigger and better than your predecessors oh they, they disowned me for my opium use it's a separate issue they they really are proud of me about the job though. They love how much money I'm bringing in for for the family for you know all the graves I rob. You know I bring in them in gold tooths and you know, uh, you know uh, bracelets and shit. Yeah, you know well, I don't know whatever only, you find in a grave. You know corpses got different shit on them. It's always a surprise. That's what I always say. I always open up a casket and I go, oh boy, that's a surprise. I say it out loud to myself in the middle of the night. Sometimes it attracts loss. Sometimes it don't. So, can you run me through a scenario where the law showed up? Let's, let's just run through it if we can. Hold on. So, what did you what did you do? You're robbing a grave. You pop it open. Proceed. Oh, hey, uh, hey there, sheriff. I'm sorry. It's old Jimmy Grave Robber here. Yeah, you got me again. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just I dropped my keys in this grave. You know, somebody didn't bury this body. It's weird. It was just like this when I got here. Dropped my keys down there. I had to go get my keys. You know, what are you going to do anyway? I'll see myself out. All right, take care now. I just keeps getting out of sticky situations. <laughs> like, He's, you know, the sheriff and him go way back. <laughs> only from all the times he's been caught robbing. Yeah, we, 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 cut, we cut to fucking the sheriff at night. He's lying awake. His wife's like, what's wrong? He's like, God damn, Jimmy Grave Robber. I'm a, I should arrest him. I should put him down. But I think there's good in the boy. But every goddamn night I get, I go up to the grave and Jimmy Grave Robber is robbing. At it again. You know, that they say I should switch it up. I should find a different, you know, like cemetery to go to or whatever. But I just like this one. You know, there's always a fresh body or always a fresh grave. And sometimes you go back, you miss something the first time, you know? 
go to Mrs. Weatherby. Oh, look at that. You were hiding a, a ring under your, under your butt this whole time. Oh, your old skeleton butt. I found a ring. Look so at this me. becomes another like 40 year fucking affair where like Batman a joker, I need to put you down. And finally, after 40 years of grave dropping, I put you right. down. I fucking, I have to shoot you and you get buried. And then we cut to six years later, I'm an elderly man. I go to your grave and I right. take you up and I rob your grave. And then I lay oh my God. and I die with you. But you find like the scratch marks in my coffin. He was alive. And you're like, he, he warned me. <laughs> He was right this whole time. Maybe we should have put a bell. <laughs> it's a weird, like, four-hour movie to just get to the invention right. of the Dead Ringer bell. Right. We'll call it Dead Ringers 2. Jimmy the ballad, Grave the Robber's ballad of Lament. Jimmy Grave Robber. Yeah. <laughs> or the Ballad of Jimmy Grave Robber. There you go. I uh, mean, I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, that was the greatest. I think we've done so much good shit today. Uh, I don't know how we possibly follow it up with a, another installment of Malibu Homicide. But Are you uh, saying we shouldn't follow it up with, or do you think we should give it a shot? I think we should give it a shot because we, we said we'd keep it going. Plus, I like last week you took the charge, which I'm going to make you do again because I love you. Mm. Uh, and it was a quick episode. We got in, we got out. It was like a, like a two-minute episode of Malibu Homicide. We progressed the story. And, right. Uh, you know, we're on our way to Mr. Clean's house because he yeah. hasn't paid his child support. Yeah, we got out of there. All right. Do you want to? Which is pick? weird because we're the homicide department, but whatever. <laughs> That's probably going to come up. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all, all right, Torres. Uh, we're on our way. Thank God it's on Sixth Avenue so your freaking uh, ankle bracelet doesn't go off. Yeah. Um, seriously, though, what happens if we have a crime on 8th or 9th? any other avenue above seventh like what are we gonna do here i mean you're probably gonna have to field those ones solo you know what i mean i could probably do some like helicopter work or uh you know like ear earpiece stuff you know like turn left now i could do that maybe but i feel like the most obvious solution is we fire you suspend you without pay until you work out your personal situation maybe get your drinking under control but let's be honest uh we're up against a ticking time clock and i don't know with infinite time uh if i would fork out those issues so we should probably you know get to brass test we've been parked outside of this house by the way nice house it's fucking look at this gate dude. it's so it is very clean it's very well you know like the landscaping is wonderful it's how does amazing. he keep his grass this green in a drought i think that there's some water violations oh, here also bigger question i mean why is it that green he's always an all white he thinks himself a fit mark twain uh, of this generation and right because i've, I've tried his white. magic erasers or whatever they, they don't get out grass stains like that good right that no, guy is always white. wearing white all you right. know well, I mean, do we do we knock on the stuff? I mean, we probably got to ring the little door buzzer thing at the gate. I mean, we can't even get inside the gate. Do you just want to jump the gate? We can jump the gate. Should probably I mean, come in official. We're cops. I mean, it would be weird if we broke the law just to <laughs> do a routine visit. Listen, sometimes you want to make an omelet, you break a couple eggs, you know that. I feel man. like just every sentence you say just makes more and more of a case for why you should not be a police officer. We can get to all of that. After we solve this murder, okay, McCarty, like, get your head in the game. We need to go knock on this fucking door, okay? All right, Torres, you're on a, you're on thin ice, man. Jesus Christ. All right. Open up. It's the police. We hear a fucking uh, scurrying and a, and a loud crash on the other side of the door. Like, I look at you and I'm like, sounds like probable cause to me, McCarty. And then I kick the door open. I'm like, well, all right. <laughs> Wish I had more of a say in that, but that's fine. 
all right, do you want me to I, I, don't go in? I'm like, all right, well, I'll close the door. I close the door. You already kicked it in. Like, let's just go in. Like, well, I, just, what are I we want you to feel about? good about what we're doing here. You know, I, there's a lot I don't of feel good about any of this. I don't feel good about bringing you along. I guess let's just fucking argue about this later. I open the door. Uh, <laughs> we walk in. The first thing we notice, this fucking place is real messy. It's weird because the outside is so clean. It's so immaculately clean. Right. Why is it so dirty in here, McCarty? This doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, this bald it doesn't make any guy. Reputation. Where, where, where is that? Where is that fucking bald, clean son of a bitch? Where are you at? Hey, uh, Mr. Clean. First name, Mr. Last name, Clean. Police, really, we're here. Well, is that all we got on him? Like, he's been a public figure for 30 fucking years, and we have Mr. Clean. We don't even know his actual first name. That is his actual first name. What's his social? Do, you, do your research. That's his actual first name, is Mr. Mr. Is it phonetically yeah. spelled or is it M-R dot? No, it's M-I-S-T-E-R. And, but then clean. he shortens it, Mr. He shortens it to be okay. cute, you know? Okay, I understand. Because he's, he's a public figure. Okay, well, either way, it seems like we don't know anything about this guy. We know where he lives, but we don't know. I know he's late on his child support. Yeah, I know he's, I a, he's a fucking again. mute. He doesn't talk at all. Well, then what are we hoping to gain here? I mean, he can still hear us. <laughs> He's not going to give about? us an answer. We're going to say, hey, you pay your child support fucking uh, bills, and he's going to be like, oh, shit, he's getting away. We got a runner. <laughs> All right, so now we proceed to Chasey, and I'm like, you go upstairs and go through the bottom. I run through the bottom, and I go through the pool. We cut to Max. Max is running upstairs to the spiral staircase. Looks like the fucking staircase from Titanic, okay? He hears oh. a door slam. He runs as fast as he can. He opens the door, kicks it open finds a small Mexican child named Juan Hidio. Uh, that's his real name. Don't ask Juan Hidio? Yeah. You're like, <laughs> como se llama? You say you're fluent in Spanish. Say it, say it, say it. Uh, como se llama? <laughs> Not fluent <laughs> enough. Oh, God. <laughs> what was this kid's name again? Do you remember? What's his name? Juan Hidio? Juan Hidio? <laughs> you seem very adamant that that was his real name. <laughs> So, uh, and well, then you're so like, like yeah. uh, hombre, mal. <laughs> and then, and then um, I'd be like, hey, I'm a guy, but in Spanish. Let's just assume that I'm speaking Spanish. Hey, I'm Spanish. a mister. Come with me. Um, not Mr. Clean. Uh, follow me out of the house to safety. Okay, so you pick him up and then you leave the room. We cut back to me. I'm just hanging out on the other side, like. <laughs> waiting for you you ran for all of 10 seconds and you're like all right i lost him. i come back up to you and i'm like what the fuck's going i ran and you just uh, mr clean got away i assume who is this little fucking small mexican man like uh his, well this is a boy wait is this a full-grown man and then i turn to the child and it is a full-grown uh, well not full-grown because he's very short like four foot two um mexican man He's got like facial tattoos, scar over his left eye. How did I not notice this before? And I like throw him down and I go, oh, that's Juan Julio. Um, thought he was a little boy. Kind of really missed the boat on that one. I really need to get some sleep. I am not doing well. And then at this moment, you, uh, you turn pale, you're sweating and you collapse and you fall unconscious. <laughs> In between me and Juan Helio, we just looked at each other. We're like, I don't, I don't know. Man. Like, no, it's Malibu's worst cop and a small Mexican man. <laughs> next week. <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs> Thank you.
Burrito.